It's Mike Traverso with Friends That Code Podcast, where I get a chance to showcase some amazing people that I just happen to know that write code for a living. Folks, today's guest is one of the folks that got me into wanting to speak at conferences. I saw him give a DroidCon NYC talk via a recorded session. Uh, now, the talk was is called Espresso. A screenshot is worth a thousand words. And I came away from that talk with ideas for being able to ensure that the code I was generating was being tested with the blessing of my clients and product owners. But also the concept of seeing a conference talk recorded was very influential. At the time I was sick and couldn't travel. Having that talk recorded and making it available to the masses was incredibly empowering to someone like myself. It would be the reason why I made sure that all the DevFest Florida sessions would be recorded. Now enough about me, uh, I wanna get back to today's guest. If you've been at an Android conference in the past few years, you've probably heard him speak on Android and Kotlin. A big part of that has to do with the fact that he's an expert on the subject matter. No, seriously, he's a certified expert on the matter. <laughs> he is a Google developer expert for Android and Kotlin now. His passion for talking about Android and Kotlin comes through in every talk. He's given about 25 recorded ones that I can find and many more probably meet up you know, videos that, that he's also done. And during the pandemic, he's still finding ways to present talks and give back to the Android developer community. He's just a good dude. He's incredibly generous to still be creating content for Android developers out there, missing their conferences right now. And that passion, generosity, and expert knowledge was the reason I reached out to him to have him come down to DevFest uh, and be on the podcast today. Currently, he's a distinguished engineer at Capital One. While he doesn't know what's in your wallet, he does know how to share his immense Android knowledge. Through Capital One Tech, he and his team write articles and post open source code to demonstrate language and platform features and how to implement specific functionality. It's incredibly cool stuff. Not only is this guest on a mission to ensure we're all more productive and efficient with Android, but he's got a pretty cool hobby. And If you happen to run into him at a conference, there's a decent chance that you're gonna see him upside down. More on that in a little bit. Without further ado, developer, architect, instructor, certified Android and Kotlin expert, incredibly generous and handstander supreme. Today's guest, ladies and gentlemen, is Sam Edwards. Sam, thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much, man. I feel like that that was that was very nice. Um, I feel like you're toasting me as a best man at the wedding. That was that was so thought out and thoughtful. I really really appreciate that. Oh no, it's it's my pleasure to having you here today. Um, how you doing? I am doing it's fairly like well. Everything I've got going a, on. It's crazy. Uh, I've definitely signed up for too many things recently. Um, it, it has. It does give back to the community. And um, once I've gotten through those things, I realized how much fun it is. Just like we'll talk about it a little bit. But preparing for a conference can be nerve wracking and crazy. But when you get up there and finish it, it's great. So I've got my one last one um, next Tuesday. I'm speaking at another meetup. Oh, um, very cool. But it's been good. I've got a vacation plan finally. You know, everybody's kind of locked at home. But we lined up a beach vacation, so not next week, but the week after, I will be on a beach. Nice. Still Very socially nice. distancing, but on a beach, yes. Yes, yeah. yes. That sounds awesome, man. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, so I, I want to kind of get back into the tech stuff for a little bit. Um, as much as, uh, you know, being from Florida, like, I hear beach, and I'm just kind of like, oh, boy. 
there's more, more beach. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, you're on you're on the nice uh, Gulf Coast there. That's my favorite. Yes, yes. Um, okay, so uh, I mentioned earlier that you are a distinguished engineer at Capital One, um, and I think that was a recent promotion too. So, congratulations. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, but I ask all of my guests to tell us what they do for a living. So, if you don't mind, what what do you do for a living? That's great. Um, I get to write code, and then I get to ha uh, have meetings where explain to people why we write code, why we should or why we shouldn't, but mostly uh, just listen to other developers and other people too to learn from them and uh, see what their opinions are. So um, for me, I'm on the identity services team at Capital One. Uh, we have a team dedicated to identity and a mobile team on that for that. So uh, our team manages that. I'm the distinguished engineer for that. So that just means um, kind of help with architectural decisions, mentoring, pair programming, uh, things of that nature. But don't let the name fool you. Um, it just means that I've you know, done a lot of talks and explained things, mm -hmm. uh, but it, I learned so much from other developers on the team. And um, if I didn't work with them, these talks that you hear, you, you wouldn't be hearing because I wouldn't know anything about this stuff. So, um, so yeah, okay. that's kind of what I do is I write Android code primarily and kind of getting more involved a little bit with web and iOS, you know, as far as like feature, feature parity goes and understanding those. I'm an ex-web developer and I want to be iOS developers. Hopefully they can all kind of converge in the future. Hey man, it's all one big tribe, one big happy yeah. tribe. Exactly. So, you know, when I think distinguished, I think, you know, the tweed coat with the, you know, the, um, the shoulder, uh, sorry, not the shoulder, the elbow pads. And, um, but one of the things that you guys do at Capital One is this Capital One tech program, which I thought was so fascinating that you've got this major financial corporation. And I, I mean, I used to work for Morgan Stanley myself, so I know what that's like. And I know the technology stacks that these firms go through to build. And I, I don't want to talk too much about that, but I want to focus on the Capital One tech stuff. Yeah. And that, you know, they've got, you know, someone that's a highly skilled engineer like yourself, um, you know, and they're, they're encouraging you to spend time sharing what you know. Um, and especially when that information could help a developer that potentially works at competitor. I mean, what's what's that like that that environment to work in where you've got it because it sounds like a very kind of encouraging loving kind of environment to code in yeah it's uh, that environment has definitely allowed me to do what i've done as far as speaking engagements and having you know sort of the the venue to go ahead and and share this knowledge um i, I joined capital one end of 2014 and before that i i did government consulting and then i ran my own company for about five years doing random things um so i was able to do I never actually done a public talk until like the week before I joined Capital One. And that just happened to be, um, you know, happen chance. But after I joined there, the tech program at that point was really a big influence and it still has continued to be. But um, it just it's really cool because there is a incredible focus on tech and how everything really is going to be, you know, how good of a tech company you are. So there's a great program internally to go ahead and have people share their knowledge. Um, you can contribute to, you know, the Capital One Tech blog, um, have articles promoted in there and stuff, and there's teams that work with you. The, the thing is that I thought the coolest as well is we sponsor various meetups like the DC Android, the DC Kotlin, the DC GDG. Uh, we actually, I'm a co-organizer of the Android Summit. So for the past three years, I've ran the call for papers for that. Uh, I know we, and that, all the profits of that go to the Women Who Code Foundation. There's just a lot of, uh, of things that Capital One does to support the community and to support growth in tech. So it's really been, um, it's been a great place to work. 
you know, I've, you know, you get offers, you know, as a software engineer for other companies and it's hard to, it's hard to want to leave. You know, it's, it's been a good place for me. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, I, just looking at the program and, and, and folks, I mean, if you get a chance, definitely look them up and I'll put it, I'll put the link in the show notes. I don't have the exact link right off the top of my head, but you know, if you look for, you know, Google capital one tech and there's tons of articles and blog posts on there. Some, I mean, across all different spectrums, mobile machine learning, it it's wild. Uh, so, so participating in the capital one tech program is that's one way to share your knowledge with the Android developer community. Um, and you're, Right now, like you're a pretty popular, sought-after Android speaker, right? I mean, let's let's not lie. I, I don't know about like popular if that's a thing, but I'm, <laughs> I'm in the way that I've done a lot. I'm well known. You know, there's a lot of people that do things a lot, and they're known that they do it, but they're not necessarily good. So, um, hopefully, I'm I'm kind of good. But yeah, I, uh, well, I've spoken a lot of places. Well, I would I would say if I'm if I'm running a conference and I see oh I've got a I've got a paper submitted by Sam Edwards, like oh that's that's getting to the top of the stack, right? I do appreciate that. Yeah, I, I always take it seriously. I put in a lot of time for any of these things because, and I can kind of go into that more, but the, the tech community has always been really good to me and where I've learned the most. Right. Um, you know, seeing things directly from a company that's producing something typically doesn't give me the insight that another developer does going through the process of learning things. So I like to share that as much as I can. Cool. Well, I mean, so I, I imagine it wasn't always that way though, right? So what... What got you interested? So, what got you interested in speaking about Android? That's a great question. Um, let's see. I guess so. I, hopefully, I don't go too back in history too much. But <laughs> right out of college, I joined a company, Department of Defense. We did Java programming. There was really no blog articles I read or community things I learned from. Um, I always had like a passion of web development and started doing startups and things. So I created my own consulting company, Handstand Technologies which still exists, but does very little. Um, and so in that, I got to dive in and learn new things. So I'm learning uh, a little bit about Android at the time, but a lot about like, um, you know, uh, single page applications, dynamic JavaScript apps, backend using AppEnd and Java, because that's kind of what I knew. Uh, but as I went in there, I see things um, from community members or DevRels from various teams, and, and you're learning a lot of that. So at, at the time too, I'd moved around a bunch of places, but DC meetups, so I lived in Boston for a while. I live in Southern California after that for a bit, but like I go to these meetups because these are the people that are creating this content. These are the people like sharing these sort of things. And so those experiences and then starting to see videos starting to be recorded, like you said, it, it wasn't something that was done a while ago. And a lot of these conferences originally really felt like they were for-profit conferences. And so that wasn't something people did, but I've seen this culture emerge over the last you know six years or so, like you've mentioned, where people publish all the videos. Um, so speaking about Android, it's just something that I started learning about a lot. Um, and I had been through that process over the last five or six years of like learning so much from the community. Um, there was a local meetup here, the Richmond Java user group. Um, actually, no, it was the API craft RVA meetup group. So it was about just APIs in general, not Java. Um, at the time I was doing Angular and I created a talk, my very first one, which is actually on my website there, but it's like exploring the Facebook API. And I walk people through with like a cool Angular demo, um, how you can link your app to Facebook and get a people's profile picture and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it was just one of those things where, you know, I walked through something I knew and people, there was like 35 people and got great feedback. And so it just encouraged me every time I learned something and this has happened for a while, I'd blog about it because it's just giving back. And so it kind of just organically spread after that. Once, you know, kind of like you were saying, I'm given the opportunity 
with for with a company that supports you to say, hey, we'll give you time to go speak at this conference. You know, that's a good thing for us, and it's a good thing for you to grow. Um, it's just, it's just neat. So it's kind of organic after that. Sorry, I'm rambling a bit, but <laughs> no, that's fine, man. I, well, I could also imagine too that the working at the Department of Defense in the early 2000s is not a very incur like they they don't want a whole lot of people to get out there and share. I imagine, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we were a contractor for them, but it was more just like here's the project, do it, yeah. and you just kind of did things. So. And it's, and it's kind of cool too that you know you see more of these companies learn they, they're realizing too that not only does it keep people happy to send them to conferences but a lot of these kind of user group conferences are pretty affordable i won't say Very cheap much. but they're they're pretty affordable yeah and and um you know it, it it there's so much more that you get out of just going uh even if you're just sending an employee but when you send someone to speak it's you're getting other contacts for other people that may you you may want to hire in the future so it's great opportunity. And it's so for, from a corporation's perspective, so little money to throw at, at, a, at something like that. So I really but, think so. Like when people, when you see a company that encourages engineering growth and, and like a, that sort of mindset, it's somewhere that I would want to work. I'd recommend people to work. And so yeah, you see some of those companies and, and they definitely stand out. Yeah. Definitely. Right. So you, you have, you know, you've, you've talked about, you know, being part of Android summit, um, other user groups in the area that where you live, you've obviously you come across new folks all the time. You know, what, what kind of tips do you have for folks that are, might be interested in getting started speaking or, uh, you know, pretend, you know, you're, you're talking to somebody that is, you, you can't, you you constantly see them sitting in the back of the meetup room, every meetup that you have, you know, do you get, what, what tips would you give someone like that to get up there and start giving talks? Because, one of the things I want to try to do with this podcast is for just to get folks up in front of a crowd of folks and it doesn't have to be a huge crowd, but get up there and start sharing your knowledge about stuff and, you know, well, just first, sharing with the community. First thing I do is that person sitting in the back, I'd go give them a high five, like congratulations <laughs> for getting out to meetups. Congratulations for trying to learn these things. Uh, I think the big benefit, one of the big benefits is not only that knowledge you're learning because you could be sitting at home watching the recording of it, if you're there at a meetup, that opportunity is to network with those people in your community. Um, one thing I always try to do is that when I go to meetups or I do talks, I always try to talk to people I don't know there um, because it does create those that network. Um, That's a great tip. So, so definitely do that. Like, congrats, yeah, if you're going to meetups, you're doing the right thing. Um, you're trying, you know, but you want to take advantage of them by really interacting with those people. Um, I, I see more junior developers and they feel like, you know, that um, imposter syndrome, right? Like, what can I talk about? So one of the encouragements I've gone through, and um, I did a, a talk at Joycon Boston called How to Do a Handstand. Um, but it was really a process of how do I learn things? Uh, and so I, I talked through parallels between how to do a handstand and how to like learn things in software development. And I think this really plays into the idea of public speaking. Um, so the idea is that if you share whatever you just learned, right? So let's pretend that you know I'm a kid, right? I have a two-year-old and a four-year-old. So I just learned to tie my shoes, right? Everybody in the world knows how to tie their shoes. But me, as that four-year-old that just learned how to do it, if I can share my knowledge with another four-year-old, then that gives them so much benefit from like some other person just being like, don't you know how to tie your shoes? What are you doing, right? So right. there's always somebody just at the level, at, at the place that you were before you made that breakthrough to learn something. So even if it's not something huge, if you just learned how to like, like launch an AMI on AWS, so you learned how to do click listeners on Android or whatever, 
if you've learned something that wasn't like that just kind of clicked, that's a good time to share something. So that's a good time for a blog post, a good time for a talk. And if you aren't like comfortable public speaking to start with, I encourage blog posts because that will get your mind working in the way that, hey, there's something I learned. Let me go explain it. And when you go to explain it, you will find that you didn't really know as much about it as you realized. Um, and so the thing is, I, I wrote a blog post. Uh, it's called Hitting Publish is the Hardest Part of Blogging. And so really, it, this goes into the fact that like, you know, OK, I have this cool idea. I just learned, you know, how to do a click listener in Android. It really makes sense. I didn't know how it worked before. Um, and so if it's the first blog post, man, I'm scared. I have this imposter syndrome. I don't want to put this thing out there because people will make fun of me. Like, I just learned how to do a click listener. But it, it's hard, but you just have to say there are people that I can help. And when I forget or, you know, somebody else asked me how to do a click listener, I could show them this blog post. And a lot of people would say, like, well, what about there's already other blog posts that do that. Right. Um, but the thing that I really like about community talks and people that do these things is it's not like regurgitation of documentation. It's experience of going through something where you apply documentation, you apply real life learning. And it does take that person that was in your your shoes that you were in before you had that aha moment. So uh, my encouragement there then is going back to your question is how do you get people sitting in the back to you know contribute at meetups? It's just you know you first you want to contribute you want to show up and you want to meet the community and learn from them. But if you can, if you're learning those aha moments, I just encourage you. There's a lot of benefit because you'll look back on you'll Google something and your blog post will show up eventually. Like oh I I I did that at one point. Um, and yeah, people do that. Like I had no idea you watched my talk from Joycon New York City. And to hear that happened and that it influenced you is like, is amazing. Um, I think it's hard for speakers and, and blog post writers to to see how it affects people. But the little stories I've heard that, that do affect oh, people yeah. like that, it's just like, it keeps me going. It's like, oh man, this is fantastic. Yeah. And, and you, you know, one of the things you, you brought up though, was being able to kind of establish your own library of things that you'll do and forget about and then be able to either go back to your own web page, right? And yep. find it or Google it. And and one of the coolest things is if you write a blog post, folks, and you then you're Googling, you know, how to do that thing again, and then seeing your blog post at the top of that page, I mean, that's that's pretty wild. So um, you, yeah. yeah, go ahead. I was say, if you think if it comes up for you in that top 10 search, it's coming up for other people as well that have yeah. the exact same question. So it's awesome. Yeah. So we covered folks that are kind of new to kind of public speaking or writing blog posts. So what about for folks that are, you know, they, they, they're getting around to different conferences, they're speaking at local meetups. What kind of tips do you have for those folks that are like really looking to take their conference talks to the next level? Um, well, you'll, you'll get sick of this, but high five to them. Good job for actually doing some talks, getting out there, networking. Um, I don't know what the next level is. I feel like that is the level. Right. Like, I guess we're talking about the level of how well known you are, maybe. But like if you're already out there doing that, you're already creating content and helping people. So I feel like that is the level there, to get into the club, you just, uh, you know, of bloggers or speakers. You just do it. There's not much as far as level wise goes. It's just more of and this has been been really actually helpful in my career is um, I got into like the social media space and um was really into writing like apps and applications back in 2008-ish, like, 2009. Um, but I like I established myself on Twitter and I established myself other places. And I found that like, let me share um, the things I know and let me start building this network. And so it's 
the thing is, if you don't have an online presence, whether a blog or a website or Twitter or something, um, it is organic. So like I said, like you, if you're out there speaking, you've already met that threshold. You're now a speaker. Congratulations. Even if it's a local meetup, you're you know a speaker as much as somebody on the main stage of another conference. You're sharing something you know. Um, but I think when you said like level up, it's more of a recognition of you know pe people saying, oh, I, I've heard this person talk. I trust what they're going to say because they've always provided good content. And I think that comes out of that personal brand and like continuing to share yourself and people being more aware of you. But maybe that's well, Wrong. I think you had a perfect answer, though, too, because when you say, hey, look, there is no leveling up. You, if you've done um, local meetups and you've done local user groups, you've meet, you've leveled up. That's it. Oh, yeah. You know, like yeah. it's there. So it's don't don't look for the hundred thousand followers necessarily. You know, exactly. you're, you're you're helping people just keep doing what you're doing. You know, keep positively interacting with folks on social media and you know, if, if that, if, if your thing is to be that more popular, um, presenter, then, you know, just, you know, again, keep producing content, keep at, you know, interacting with folks on social media in a positive way. And, you know, that'll happen for you. But other, other than that, you've leveled up. So that's, that's a perfect answer right there. Thanks, man. So take us back. You know, you're, I just want to, for, for folks that are interested, cause I, I've only done this one time and I thought it was the wildest experience. What was your first traveling speaking engagement like? So the first time you had to like pack a suitcase and go somewhere to talk. I mean, that's, yeah. Um, it's a totally different experience than, you know, taking a short drive and presenting to folks that you've, you know, in the community. Absolutely. Um, so my first one was in July, I think of, uh, 2015. So my first conference or my first talk at a meetup ever was in like November of 2014. So it had only been you know less than a year. Um, I applied. So I, I, at Capital One, I got the opportunity to go full time Android. Right. At, at my own company, I did full stack web and some Android. But one of the reasons why I joined there too is because you know, I was able to focus on Android. So I got uh, deep into. At the time, we were exploring some NFC technologies, and so I said. You know what? I'm starting to go to these conferences. Like, I'm just going to go ahead and submit it. So there was a, a conference called AndDevCon, um, and so I submitted a talk, and I probably was like the last person accepted, but I got accepted. And I remember, uh, yeah, getting that and being like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Um, so anyway, I got to go to Boston, and I live in Virginia, so that's a huge change of pace. It was in the summer, um, and when I went there, one of the coolest things was like this thing called like a speaker reception or speaker dinner. So typically what this is, is the night or the day before conference, sometime before the conference, uh, usually an organizer gets the people together that are going to be speaking and just, it's like, it's not only a thank you for coming, but it's also a, hey, here's other people, you know, that are speaking so that you have this networking opportunity. And so at that point in time, I met a few people there that like, I still talk to a lot. Um, so one person is, uh, I'm going to, I know her first name is Yash. Uh, Prabhu or uh, Yash P. Um, she's in uh, the Philadelphia area um, and she's a great developer. Travis Himes also in that area. There are a few other people that I met at that conference that like I still talk to today. And um, yeah, it's just a good, great place to network. Like we said, like when you go to a meetup, you meet other people. It's fantastic. The good thing about a conference is you meet people, especially in these scenarios that are as passionate as you are and, um, you know, just are more maybe specialized in the area you are. Because when you get in a meetup, it might be a software development meetup, but in this case, it's an Android conference. Right. So, anyway, it was pretty cool. cool. Awesome.
And, you know, a lot of your talks that, I mean, cause you know, doing, doing some of the research for the podcast today, you know, I was going through some of your talks and I know, I knew, I knew prior to, to, to doing that, that you did a lot of uh, talks on, you know, focusing on different aspects of testing. Yeah. Um, and then I got into it and I was like, wow, you do a lot of, of talks on testing. And <laughs> <laughs> so, which is, which is fantastic because honestly, everybody wants to do, Hey, look at how cool I can animate things. And that's great. But we also need that other information to be shared. So, you know, why it, it, is that why testing is such a focus of so many of your talks or? Uh, so I like, you know, the thing I'm encouraging is as you learn something new, share about it. And at, um, at any of my previous engagements or working as a consultant, you know, for with Hanson Technologies, testing was never a thing that I did. I always built a project or something cool and then moved on. Yeah. Um, and so given the opportunity to work, you know, at Capital One, I have had the opportunity to be on a project longer than, you know, six months. And so you're like, oh, wow, this testing thing is actually really important. Um, and so, you know, there was a lot of testing in place, but we didn't have really good uh, UI testing at the time. So that was something that was kind of new. We had some frameworks that were a little more brittle. Uh, we used Appium, I think, originally. But, you know, espresso testing was a thing that I kind of I looked into and I said, as a developer, I can write these things. And I think it can be really fast. So we had flaky tests, meaning that those pass, pass, the test passed sometimes, but not all the time. And the entire test suite took four hours to run. Wow. Um, I rewrote all of them in Espresso using mocks and all these various things I learned along the way, went down to 20 minutes and stable. So we're talking about whatever multiplier that is, <laughs> but like yeah. from four hours to 20 minutes and you know able to run it on every code change. So um, it was just one of those things like I was learning, it was a space that I hadn't got to explore before. And so I had a lot of aha moments. And so I shared those in talks. Well, I, you know, I, I, a lot of us thank you for those um, because there's such a, there is such a kind of thing in the industry where it's just, Hey, you're done, move on. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And, and nobody pads in any time for an estimate for any workage that includes test cases. Typically not. Uh, yeah. On, uh, yeah I mean, on, we do bake it in, but yeah, it, it's not a right. typically not a, a priority from a yeah. business perspective. Right. Yeah, because it's just like, okay, and, and I imagine that the time spent writing test cases, say, I, I mean, I, I don't know how to qualify it, and I'm not an expert on the subject, but I imagine that there's a whole lot of extra money saved from those test cases existing and having been created, then there would have been, oh, let's have bugathon days. You know, let's, okay, here, everybody, we're going to fix all these issues that we've got in our issue log, you know, so something to think about. One secret thing that I learned about testing, which I just realized is the case, is my architectural skills, you know, building, you know, clean layers of abstraction, clean coding, probably actually came out of testing a lot because it's really hard to test code that yeah. doesn't have clear abstractions where you can, you know, use mocks and use uh, things that make your test really stable and fast. Um, so that's actually a good, because if you walk into a legacy code base, meaning something that's been there for a long time and does not have a lot of tests, it's very hard to add tests, like you're saying. Like it does take time to go through and make it so that something is testable. Um, so actually, yeah, I, I would encourage from that perspective. It it would seem very daunting, you know, walking into a large application. But if you're starting from a fresh application, it's easier. But you do learn. Oh, I need to architect my app with dependency injection or something like that because that enables me to test by sending in mocks or fakes or whatever. 
Right. And, and, and yeah, we're, I don't, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad for not having any testing in their app, especially if they've got legacy code where it's just a jungle, you know, we just look good luck, Godspeed, you know, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a talk that, uh, last year, Don Felker did, he was one of our openers on day two. So I guess it's like a keynote. Um, but he talked about testing on Android and I, I follow Don. I respect a lot of the things he publishes. And I like the point he said in this talk, which was, um, typically, there's a testing period where UI tests are the smallest group at the top and unit tests, which are super fast, are the ones at the bottom. But he said, from practical, pragmatic experience, if you flip that on your head and you have more UI tests that really just test the top, you're testing what the user is testing. So from a user perspective, and if that works, that will validate a lot of things. So I'm saying that in the fact that like you can always start there and then work your way to make the pyramid the right shape. But there's always a time and a, and a possibility to write tests. Cool. That's, that's pretty cool. I mean, that's, that's perfect advice for stuff like that. I mean, just, just get into it. Yeah. Just get into it. And it's, it's the way to go. You have to start um, somewhere, right? Just like this. Exactly. Exactly. So pivoting a bit, I mean, you, after all the, all the years of hard work, um, traveling and speaking, posting blog posts after blog post, um, you get the attention of the Google developer expert program and you become an expert, which is not an easy feat. I mean, there's an application process, there's a testing process, I imagine. What's that experience been like? It's been awesome. Um, when when I applied, I realized, you know, that you basically have to be referred in by somebody from Google or an existing developer and have, you know, a, a certain amount of experience in that area and expertise. Um, but, you know, Anise Davis is a Google developer expert for Android. I talked to her at many meetups and stuff. She was in the Maryland area, so it's pretty close to where I am. And I said, you know, I talked to her more about it. And at that point in time, I met the criteria. So she let me go ahead and like, give me the information to apply. And this is in April of whatever year that was, uh, maybe 2016 or so. And then didn't hear anything. <laughs> and then it came October. And then I got an email that says, hey, we're going to have an interview. And I was like, where did this thing come from? Oh, my gosh, this is so cool. And so, you know, over the next few weeks or whatever, I went through the interview process there is for it um, and was accepted, which was like kind of just mind blowing because at the time, I think there was around 100 or so, maybe 120 or 150 uh, in the world, right? So to be recognized as one of those people that, you know, had done enough sharing of content that impacted people in the community was like really cool. Um, and so it really, the program in general, now being a part of it, it does give us you know, that that network of people within Google and other experts. That's really the biggest benefit of it. Um, there is some access to, to content early, but really it's the network that, that really is the big benefit from it. And it has encouraged me to create more content. Um, the Google Developer Expert Program is something that was re renewed annually. Um, so it's been really awesome to hear that during the times of COVID, they're basically like, you know, you do what you need to do with your family. We're not gonna drop you out of the program if you're doing that sort of thing. Um, so it's been fantastic, but, but basically they just want to make sure you're being active and still contributing in the community. So, you know, you drop off, you start doing something, um, completely unrelated, right? So make room for somebody else. Um, but yeah, it's encouraged me to say, okay, let me use this platform to, to continue to the share, share the things I did. So sometimes there might be something where it's like, eh, I could blog about it or not, but I know now that I've created that network and if I share it, it'll help people. So I'm, you know, it pushes me over the edge. It sucks to do it, you know, you're kind of like banging your head or you got a late night trying to get it out, but then you publish it and then somebody tweets back at you like, oh, that was super helpful. Um, That's so, cool. Yeah. 
And, and you know, you mentioned you mentioned the kind of the, the, the pandemic and during which, I mean, you've found ways to where travel is and social distancing all keeps all of us away. Um, you found a way to kind of continue to deliver content. Uh, I know, for example, I noticed the other day that you were on a live feed for Android Worldwide, right? Yeah. I mean, and real quick, I mean, what what was Android Worldwide? Or so what is? It, I think it's still emerging as a thing, but I'd like mm -hmm. to see it a thing. Um, so uh, Shalom, I forget his last name right now, H, um, he is a co-organizer of the Boston Android Meetup Group. And he'd reached out to me and said, hey, you know, we're going to have this meetup. Do you want to go ahead and do a talk? And I said, great. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I'll do a talk on Kotlin. Um, and then he said, hey, you know what? I'm going to be moving to Toronto in a little while. I'm going to go ahead and talk to the organizers there and see if we can do a co-meetup so I can you know, be more familiar with that community. So that's cool. And then I, I asked him, I was like, hey, can can we, can we I go ahead and ask more meetups if they want to come? It's virtual. So I sent a DM chain, which limits 10 people. I basically looked for any Google developer group that I had in there and things of that nature. So I messaged like New York. I also messaged, because um, the other speakers were located in London, I was like, okay, that time zone's not out of the question. So there was a group with MAD in it. So it's like, oh, this is totally Madrid. So I messaged them. It was the Mumbai app developers and they got in. They said, yes, we'll join your meetup. I don't know if they realized what time it was at the time, but I'm pretty sure, um, I don't know, I'd be interested to see how many of those people came. But it ended up being 19 meetup groups that all combined, um, all the way from Los Angeles to, um, there was Phoenix, there was Toronto, there was Columbus, Ohio, um, DC, New York, Miami. It's just like so cool. So I think they're trying to figure out a name for it. And at this point it was Android worldwide. I don't know what that will be. Um, but it was just the idea, like during this pandemic, we have our meetup groups and our meetup groups are all named, you know, Tampa this, or, you know, yeah. Richmond this, or DC this. And that's because we want to facilitate those, you know, community interactions and build that. But in these times, there's no reason to, other than time zone we're realizing, because the speaker in the UK was, had a really bad day the next day because he was so tired. Um, but if we if we stick with time zones are, that are friendly with everybody, um, then we can join as a community that's larger. Um, the problems that we've seen in that in the past, though, is when you join as a community online, you're joining like a Zoom or something. And so it's hard to interact with the other people that are on there. Um, so the platform that was used for the meetup the other night is called Remo. So this is a free plug for them, but it's remo.co. Um, and it's basically like a conference venue for. Oh, cool. uh, so I, I don't know how much the videos will be published from this, but we're trying to get one next Tuesday because there's one. I was going to do another meetup talk for the Richmond meetup group here for software development. Um, so this one was like why I left Java for Kotlin. The one I did this past week was called Kotlin Actors, which is part of the Kotlin Coroutines framework. But um, I said, you know, what? I'm already doing this. Hey, Shalom, like, let's get this whole network of people. Like, let's let them know about it. Let's see if it's happening. So my hope is next Tuesday, there'll be another meetup where we can get, you know, maybe 100 people to come again. Um, and it's just a sort of thing, like, let's try to create that space where, and the way I was describing it um, is, there maybe is like a place in the community where you have your local meetups. Um, I used to be in a band and like to go listen to music. So if you think about that, that small venue that local bands can play at, um, it's just nice to have a venue. You, some days you might show up and it might not be a band you heard about, but you learn something You're like that's, or, you know, you hear something cool. So yeah. I wanted in my head, it would be really cool during these times to be able to not have to find a meetup in my area, but just be like, I'm interested in learning things about Android. So when's the next Android worldwide event, I'm going to show up and go to it. Um, yeah.
Yeah, or, or you're, you know, you're, you're, you could be living in a community that's been hit hard, um, both through the virus or, you know, financially. And, you know, organizers are that were usually kind of on top of their game, getting all of these great, you know, this great content out, aren't able to anymore. Yeah. So uh, having this somewhere else that you can join in, I'm going to talk to you after this, because I'm going to have you hook up with um, uh, Reba and Carol and we can, and maybe even Hendrix over in Orlando, maybe you okay. can help uh, get Tampa and Orlando in on this. All right, let's do it. Yeah. I mean, you want, hey, let's get more people. Yeah. <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, no, uh, Shalom's been awesome into this. So uh, he's kind of the, uh, the organizer behind the scenes, but he's got the account on Remo. And um, the one thing I didn't mention that's cool about it is there are tables when you get in there and you can sit six people at a table. <laughs> it has your, you log in with Google. So it has your emoji from Google and you can see who's there, who has their cameras on and not, but you join the table and then you're just literally sitting there with people. You can look over there and be like, oh, that's somebody and I would jump to another table. And in order to like have tons of people, I think it maybe it's like a hundred. Google thinks I'm talking to it. Um, <laughs> they have multiple floors you can go to if there's too many people for that one area. So wow. anyway, that was the cool part is I actually got to meet a lot of people. I met people from LA. I met people. Uh, there's a guy in um, Australia that was on there, but he had joined at 7 a.m. his time when we were starting. So anyway, it was, it was really cool. Um, Excellent. Uh, well, I, that sounds amazing. And we're going to help push that. And I'll definitely put you know, the next information here in the, uh, I think I will probably miss the show. Cause I think, you know, that'll happen before this gets posted, but definitely we'll make sure that that gets up. Um, you know, as it continues, we'll make sure that, that we continue to promote that year on the podcast. Cool, man. So, um, and, and it's excellent to hear that there's going to be more. Yeah. So, I mean, Sam, it's obvious that you've got this love for teaching I mean, with the talks, the articles, the videos, but you're also, you mentioned before you're an organizer of Android summit which is saw its fifth year last year, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. Thank you. That is, that is no easy feat. <laughs> no, it is not. It, it, uh, yeah, I couldn't do it alone and I don't do it alone. So uh, it's great. So, yep. This, and I, I think one year, I think I, I helped support that. And then I kind of got off Twitter for a bit. So I'm going to help support that when you guys, well, I'm going to, let me get into my next question here before I jump the gun with that. Are you, I mean, obviously you guys can't have that in person now this year, Yeah. but are you going to be able to try to do that in a virtual environment or are you hoping to resume that next year? I think uh, the people that have been organizing it, uh, we, we've been having uh, chatter about it. Um, I have not seen anything that points to having something this year. We eventually, we had comp the event space booked um, for a few days, kind of ended up having to say no to that. Uh, we did send out to previous attendees of the conference, a like Google form saying, what would you be most, most interested in? Like what days, what format, uh, things of that nature. Nothing has come out of it that I'm aware of. Um, so I, I doubt something's gonna happen this year, but right. the group behind it is very passionate about, you know, sharing with the community. So I think, you know, once we can get things back, I, I, would, I would expect we'd have something again. Excellent. And when you guys do, you know, we'll have you back and you guys can help promote I, sure. It's a great, it was a great event and I loved, I, I wasn't able to make it that time. Um, but following along on Twitter, it was just, oh man, I'm missing out so bad. Um, oh, I, I remember that was the year I think Nitya, uh, Nitya gave the um, keynote, I think. I, yeah, it very much might've been. I, all I remember is you were awesome. You basically, I think sponsored somebody else to go. Um, you like purchased a ticket, I believe. Um, or maybe you had purchased one thinking you could go and couldn't. Uh, and I, I picked up your your swag bag, and I, I oh, yeah. literally <laughs> remember going to the post office and mailing it to you. 
So I actually took it back from DC, came back to Richmond, and then went to the post office here and sent it off. But um, it was kind of a thank you for you know for doing that and like you know you supporting the Dev Fest Florida conference and helping me bring there. So I was just like giving back with that. So I, I appreciate it. It was my token of appreciation. I got to tell you that the day I got that in the mail was so, is so cool because I was like, oh, I'm not expecting anything. What what is this? And then I open it up and it's all this um, you know Android Summit swag. And it was some cool stuff in there too, like the fidget spinner. I I, yeah. I think I probably just got rid of a little while ago. <laughs> uh, so, um, all right, harder to do: organizing a conference or preparing and presenting a talk. It depends on what you're good at and what you like doing. The harder thing for me is organizing a meetup. Um, okay. I don't, and it's just because that's not my passion. My passion is like getting people together to learn these things. Um, but yeah, I had the opportunity here when I moved to Richmond, I was like, should I create a Google developer group Richmond or should I just try to do more talks and, and go around? And in Richmond, there there is a tech community, but it isn't so much so that there's enough room for a specific Android tech community. So I kind of said, you know, I'll just focus on talks. So I, I still, you know, help organizers with the Java user group. I'll do recordings of the session sometimes or I'll run and pick up the pizza or something like that. Um, but actually organizing the event for me is like, oh my gosh, I keep, that's so much work. I, <laughs> I don't know if I could do it. And when I said there's a great team for Android Summit, I was one of five, six, seven, and like people that like really organized it. Um, and myself, I was just part of the, along with Jared Sheehan, part of the uh, kind of committee that went ahead and selected like the speakers and encouraged you know, people to apply and things like that, so. That's yeah. amazing. I mean, that's a lot of people to all be contributing to that. I mean, because it, I mean, like you say, when you have these conferences, it's so, there's so much work. Um, so much. And I don't want to discourage folks from getting out there and trying to do their own conference once everything is kind of back to normal in 2050. But, you know, it it's so rewarding as well, especially when you get up there and you see that there's people who don't know folks. Um, it's their first conference. Um, they were, they, they just moved to the area or something. So... It's, it's just, a, it's, or, or people who have traveled. I thought when, when we did DevFest Florida, there was, a, there was a guy and I think, oh, I'm going to forget it. I definitely forget his name, but I, I, I think he drove down from Tennessee. I remember seeing that video. Yeah. Yeah. He put, and he put, he, yeah, he put together this video log of, of, of him going from there, traveling, staying in hotels and getting down to the venue. It was so cool. Um, cool. And it made everything worth it. Like all of the, all the blood, sweat, and tears that go into putting a conference like that together. It, it's just, so thank, thank yeah. you. Oh, you're welcome. Um, I, I think the big thing, yeah, is, and you probably would echo the sentiment is, it's a lot harder to do it alone. So if you can get people yeah. that can really buy in and really you know partner with and help, like in this case, like I, I'm not good at booking venues or figuring out all these sort of things. Like I just, you know, like being involved in the community and finding speakers and you know helping you know curate the content. So found the piece that I was good at, but yeah, it's always, <laughs> If you can, you know, teamwork makes a dream work. So, yeah. yeah. Um, earlier, Sam, you mentioned, well, I mentioned, you know, if people run into you, they're going to see you upside down and, and they, you <laughs> kind of alluded to it, right? Um, yeah. You give a lot of hand, you do a lot of handstands. Um, and if you don't mind me asking, how did that come about? Sure. Um, so this is, you know, when the internet just got cool, maybe YouTube was out. Um, so there's a curse word here, but the guy's website was where the hell is Matt.com. 
Okay. And so he was this guy that like traveled all around the world. I think he used to be an ex-Googler or something like that, but he decided to like quit his job. And then he went all around the world and he'd like kind of create, get people in the community. At first it was just himself. He kind of created like a little following, um, but he would just do this really, really silly dance. Um, and so he got this video of him doing a dance in each place. And sometimes he'd like walk off screen and then he'd walk on screen in the new video. So you'd go like from the Egypt, uh, you know, the, the pyramids in Egypt to maybe like the Taj Mahal or something like that. And it was just, it was so cool to see him do it in different places. Um, I will say I already had like five handstands at different places at the time. So, but he encouraged me to continue doing it. Um, so then I was like that summer, you know, in Virginia where I lived, I did a bunch of them there, but um, I had a lot of friends that encouraged me in college to like kind of go out and explore and do different things. So I took three months off in 2008 and I drove 12,531 miles across us and Canada went to all the national parks and things and basically did a handstand everywhere I went and got photographic proof. Um, so that was just my thing. And that helped my personal brand become handstand Sam. That's so cool. And yeah. you mentioned that you mentioned the road trip where, I mean, and you've done it in eight, over eight, eight countries, right? Pretty much anywhere I've gone. Yeah. I've, I haven't gone to the most countries that have people, but I've gone to a few. Okay. Well, I mean, that's, doing a lot more handstands in different countries than a lot of us are. <laughs> true, um, true. Where, where's your favorite place that you've handstanded or is it handstanded or handstood? Uh, I never where, where's hand your favorite stood, place? I, like that. Uh, I usually say handstanded, but handstood sounds better. Um, <laughs> my most daring one that I ever did was at Half Dome, which is this like iconic, if you've ever had, uh, you know, the Yosemite version of OSX, it's like this big, huge like mountain that you see there. Um, but you can climb up it, you end up being like almost a mile off the floor of the Yosemite Valley. So Yosemite is in Northern California, like kind of four hours uh, to the east of San Francisco. Um, but it's this beautiful national park. So you can hike up there. It takes people basically from sunrise to sunset to get up there and get back down. And when you get up there, you literally climb cables up the side of a mountain to get to the top. Wow. So you're at the very top, you literally have a cliff that drops off, you know, so <laughs> far down. And uh, you know, I had been doing handstands on this trip for like a month and a half, two months. So I felt pretty good about them. And so I did a handstand, you know, not on the edge, on the edge, but I, I like calculated, here's the length of my body. I will get that close to the edge. So <laughs> if I fall, I basically belly flop and just lay there, like, you know, and then, then I will, I'll be fine. But uh, my girlfriend at the time, now wife was like, you're so stupid. Why did you do that? You could have died. Oh my gosh. My mom said the same thing. Um, and I know now with, you know, with children and a family and things, I would never do that so close to the edge. Plus I'm getting rusty and old. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it was, that was the coolest thing. I have a really cool picture. It might be on my LinkedIn or somewhere else, but uh, on the top of that, you can literally see the cliff drop off and yeah, it, it was, a, it's cool. That's crazy. Well, you know, you mentioned your LinkedIn profile and having that on there, but you also list that you were a diver and a pilot at, at one point. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, are you like an action hero or something or trying to be <laughs> trying to be? I know, like I said, I had some friends in college who are just really encouraging to like go do stuff. Yeah. Um, so uh, at the end of college, I still lived in the college town. I went to Virginia Tech and I lived in Blacksburg, which is a kind of a mountain town, a college town. Um, but there I, I decided like, oh, I could ride a motorcycle. That might be kind of cool. And then I looked into it. And I'm like, oh, wow, I can get really bad head injury. Oh, flying planes. That looks safer. So I, I got in line to join this flying club, which you know, there's probably 50 people that share a couple airplanes and you sign up for different times. Um, and so I went through that. I had a flight instructor and I got my private pilot's license. And that was a super cool experience. Um, 
but then also, yeah, I, I did scuba diving. Uh, I learned there at Virginia Tech. Um, and then I, when I moved away from there, it really was not affordable. And I realized that I wasn't good at it. It was more of this, one of those checkboxes things. Okay. Um, but in 2010, um, I had a seizure and kind of developed epilepsy at that point. So I've had probably seven or so seizures, like probably one every two years or so. Like I had one last year, July 7th. Um, and then I haven't had one since then. So it's been over a year. So like, yay. Um, okay, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, but it's 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 a scary thing now, like meaning I probably can't ever scuba dive or fly again. So um, the, the point behind this is um, I'm, I'm thankful it's like under controlled medication and everything. And, you know, hopefully everything will be good going forward. But it's the sort of thing where seize the opportunities that you have. Right. Because these are things that I was able to do, um, you know, and you just have a little bit more. You know, I don't know what the name of the word is, but like, you know, energy and time to do these things when you're younger. Um, so I've always encouraged people, if you have the opportunity, you know, go travel somewhere, do these sort of things. And I'm just very lucky being a software engineer that if I wanted to, I could always pick up and be like, hey, I know software. And somebody's usually willing to hire you for a decent amount of money. Um, so that was that was very nice. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Do things that you want to if you can. Obviously, not everybody's in that situation. I had some student loans, but other than that, I didn't have so much. So I was very fortunate. Right. I mean, right now, everybody's just kind of virtually climbing mountains. Yeah. I think I saw a story yesterday where there's someone, a, a Scottish woman who's climbing her stairs to recreate climbing a mountain as a, as a teenager. And I think she's, she's got like two, she's got to climb her stairs 288 times or something like that. So Good there's, for her. yeah, I mean, like there's, if you can do it, do it. Don't, don't, don't let anything stop you. Um, continue to push yourself. I mean, that's one of the things I hope that, you know, we do with this podcast is, is help inspire folks to do stuff and um, do stuff that they, they really want to do. Just get out there and get it done. Yeah. Um, it, okay. That's one thing I've, I've been seeing online too, where there, there's a, there's kind of two sides of things, right? Um, like I mentioned, I was like very lucky in the position I was in, right? You see sometimes advice. that's like, people are like, well, just go do it, you know? Right. Um, but then, there are a lot of times when people can't like uh, yeah. maybe you have, you know, maybe you're sick or your mother's sick or you have something you have to take care of. You have something, you have a child, you have things in your life that don't enable you to do those things. And that's not fair. And life sucks. And it's true. Um, just in your own way, there's probably some way that you can try to work towards the thing that you want to do. And it's not fair that it's uphill battle for some people. But yeah, I just encourage you to try to try to do something towards what you're looking to do. Um, because if you do things that you find interesting, then usually it's more fulfilling. Yeah. I just want to say Absolutely. not everybody has that privilege. You know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a luck thing. And just like now, like I can't fly a plane or go scuba diving. It's uh, I don't have that opportunity now. Yeah. I mean, and one of the reasons why I'm doing the podcast is um, cause in, in addition to having cancer twice, I've also got uh, trigeminal neuralgia which is something that is a very painful nerve uh, issue. So you can sometimes end up uh, not being able to talk or drink. So one of the things I wanted to do while I'm still feeling well um, is say, hey, screw this. Let's, let's I like to talk and I, I wanna get it recorded that I like to talk in case, in case one day I can't. So what do we do? Oh, let's have a podcast. Fantastic, let's do it. Okay. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's those kinds of things. If you can do it, don't postpone, just do it. 
that, that I think that's the thing. It's not, it's not trying to say like, Hey, you know, forget about your circumstances, just go do it. There's no excuses. It's if you can do it, don't postpone it. That's get out there and do it. So I think that's, that's, that's what we're trying to get across here. And just, all right. I just want, you said try germinal neuralgia and I haven't heard yeah. that in a while. I'm, I'm sorry that you're affected by that. But when I was a kid, they were sure I had it as well. I had horrible headaches and it, it was, it was horrible. So I, I, I'm very sorry that you have that. Um, I've experienced symptoms in the past that were, you know, of like that, but mm -hmm. maybe it's, that's, I don't know what's tied to epilepsy now or whatever, but anyway, I'm sorry to hear that case. Um, yeah. You get a lot of drugs, a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> get a lot of fun drugs. Um, okay. I want to move on to where we typically end the show, which is with a bunch of kind of retrospective questions where we get someone who's like yourself experienced in, in the world. And we ask them to kind of help give some advice. Um, I'm just going to jump right into it because I know we're running low on time. Um, what would be some advice that you would give your younger self now that you've had all of your career experiences? What would be um, that advice that you'd give your younger self? I mean, just kind of, this might be for anybody like in their twenties, but like, just like, don't be so full of yourself. <laughs> like, I don't know, like, you, I feel like a lot of people that are younger, like you figure out a few things and you think you know everything. But as I get older, I get a lot more humble that like, oh, I don't know anything at all. And I think that's like the, the wisdom of being older. Um, yeah. However, though, I think, one thing that is a benefit from it and um, is that energy to go do something you want to try and do. Um, so I don't know. It's a, that's one of the things like I, through these times and like through the black lives matter movement and people experiencing COVID um, I don't know. It's a, <laughs> I've, I've learned a lot about empathy lately and trying to understand where people are and be proactively a champion for where they're at. And I think if I had learned that earlier on in my life, like I've never been a mean person or anything like that, but like, I think understanding that empathy early on, like I probably would have been better about encouraging other people to do more in their career or just like being more helpful in that way. Um, so th that's something as my younger self, like I like teaching other people and doing things, but I think just being more empathetic and, um, you know, just being more, doing good. Yeah. It's the wisdom that comes with age. Right. But <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the world could definitely use more empathy nowadays. Yeah. Um, so another question I ask everybody is I try to find what's one thing that they do that totally breaks the mold on being a programming nerd that you're willing to share. And I ask the same questions. Do you golf? Do you ride bikes? Do you skydive? Are you a huge Downton Abbey fan? What is, what's your ticket away from being a programming nerd? So you mentioned handstand and pilot. So those are the hard things <laughs> to, to top. Um, well, it could be that. Yeah. I mean, well, certainly. I, I mean, my secret thing is I, I love being a dad. Um, I'm very fortunate enough to have, you know, a family and kids. But, you know, this morning I got to go for a walk with them. We walked uh, you know, about three miles to go to the local Starbucks and back. I went in with my mask. I picked in our Starbucks, but it was a nice one. I'm sipping on it now. Um, right. So I don't know. I, I don't know if that's a crazy thing about it, but like, you might see somebody, you know, always doing work or tweeting things and maybe they don't have a balance with life. But with kids, when it's dinner time, they're going to tell you it's dinner time. And when it's bedtime, they're going to let you know by being crazy. So yeah. I have appreciated that, like kind of creating structure in my life. But um, 
I do like really taking time to, to spend with them. Um, so that's cool. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. And Sam, one of the last things I want to ask you is that, you know, we want the podcast, this podcast, like I said before, we want it to be about positivity. We want it to help inspire folks. Yeah. Um, this means that, you know, folks are going to need love to, to love themselves before they show love to other developers or people in the community, or I like to call it the tribe. Mm-hmm. Um, tell like us that. one. Yeah. Copyright uh, <laughs> or trademark, whatever, whichever one yeah, is yeah. the right one. <laughs> um, but so tell, tell us about one or some of your accomplishments that you're most proud of that allow you to kind of dig deep into that confidence well so that when you're not feeling, you know, you're, you're hundred percent, you could dig down and be like, look, I did that thing. I can totally do these other things. It's a good question. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I think, I think the public speaking thing was, was a big thing that's really helped. Um, yeah. Because you learn as, Getting into software engineering, it doesn't matter how well you code if you can't communicate. Um, there's this whole concept of a 10x developer that people talk about. And that term itself, you as a developer can never be 10x. But you can have a 10x influence if you are a good developer and you share and 10 people are encouraged right. and learn from that. I'm forgetting your original question. But like, I think that the thing I've learned is, yeah, if you can share your knowledge, um, and that really helps people. What was your question? Well, I, well the question the question yeah. was, <laughs> yeah. what what is one or some of the accomplishments that you're most proud of in your career that or your life um, that that you can go back and say, look, I did that thing. I could totally accomplish these other things because I accomplished that thing. So, I mean, in your case, yeah. I mean, it sounds like you know you, you could say, hey, you know, I'm I'm a dad to two kids. Mm-hmm. I have done handstands in eight different countries. I didn't fall off of Half Dome. <laughs> no, <laughs> all, all these things are, yeah, are things I'm, yeah. I'm proud of. I, I can't think of one thing, but like a, in the context of this episode, yeah, I think it really did help with, with doing a public talk and starting to feel confident about that and improving my communication skills. Because I think that's the one thing that's, you know, it, we said distinguished engineer. Like when I first heard that, I kind of shuddered a little bit. I'm like, that's weird. Like, I don't want to <laughs> be above anybody else. But like somebody said like, well, you are like, a Google developer expert and you like know things. So you're kind of distinguished. I was like, I guess like, but it's still just a weird thing. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't be there without sharing my knowledge and getting out there and speaking and confident. And really I, you have to learn from other people um, and not being um, cocky. Right. Um, just always learning from other people and sharing. So um, yeah. I don't know if that's still answer your question, but <laughs> no, well see, and that's the thing. Yeah. I think there's a lot of folks kind of, well, the reason I asked that question is I want folks to be inspired to un- like, what is their thing? You know, you, you know, it, it basically forces them into that, that mindset of like, well, look, I, I got over this illness. I was able to do this thing. And during a very hard time in my life, um, I, I give a lot of public talks. I, I help a lot of people with, with the, uh, the, the content that I provide to the community. All of those types of things yeah. are things that I want to help people you know, understand that they're all valuable, you know, members of this tribe and, uh, of, you know, de- software developers. And really we shouldn't have that feeling of imposter syndrome when we scroll through a social media feed. No, and that's, I, you know, that's why I want, I, I asked that question and just to kind of force people into thinking what is their 
accomplishment that they're most proud of. Like dig, have something to dig into that well. And that when they're feeling down, pull that up and be like, Hey, I did this. Yeah. I'm, I'm having a hard time. <laughs> That's okay. Like, no, that's not... <laughs> maybe the one thing out of this is I, there, I, I... it's not that huge scale of things, right? Like we said early on, like if you've done any sort of talk at a meetup, you're as accomplished yeah. as another person that's done it on you know stage with 1500 people or whatever, right? It's, it's the willingness to try something and do it. And there's not much difference between, you know, the two. So and a that's band what I'm saying. in front of, you know, 7,000 people at a concert venue versus you playing in front of two people in your living room, you're still performing, you're still, you know, expressing yourself. It's good. Right. And that, and that's, and again, I think, I think that you've answered the question. Um, even if you don't think you have, I think you, I think you have. I just didn't want to be that press conference guy that runs around somewhere else. And I'm like, Oh, you didn't really answer the question, but I'm, I'm oh, glad. <laughs> no, I, well, you know, if anybody hears this and doesn't think Sam answered the question, he did answer the question. And this whole podcast has been Sam answering that question. All right. Fair okay. enough. Fair. So, all right, Sam, do you have anything you want to promote besides the Android worldwide, which we probably won't be out in time for? Um, Nothing specifically like it, for me, like if you can just, uh, you know, follow well, me. On Twitter. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to get to, I'm going to get to that. Cause for folks that, Oh, oh there's one more thing I wanted to mention. Um, and, and then we'll, we'll say goodbye to Sam, but for folks that are interested in catching Sam, uh, you know, and giving talks, if you, you know, about Android or about testing, go over to handstandsam.com and you, he's got a section there where he's got all of his, um, you know, talks record recorded talks and he's also got a blog that he puts out once a month and i think last month i think it was last month uh you did a really cool talk on android and biometric um you know login and that was really cool as a matter of fact i'm going to look back at that and reuse that in one of my projects um and then you've got one where <laughs> you were putting together how you create the uh the animated gifs which oh, yeah. i thought was hilarious um and and so definitely go, you know, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't um, head over to handstandsam.com, but also uh, you'll find him on Twitter over at, at handstandsam um, and interact with him. Sam's a good guy. And then one other piece of information I want to share is that for more information on Android Summit, go over to androidsummit.org. Uh, I, I, like Sam said, they may not have an event this year, but for all of the latest information, follow them on Twitter at, at Android Summit, and you'll be able to get the up-to-date information so that if they have something this year, you can get down and, and get to DC and, and check that out, or you'll be able to know when it's coming back next year. Exactly. Sam, I hope you had some fun hanging out today. Yeah, Mike, it's been a pleasure, man. I I really appreciate you believing in me or finding that talk that you uh, you liked about and bringing me down to the Fast Horda. It, it secretly gave me the opportunity to take my little one and a half year old at the time to see Disney for the first time. So that was uh, definitely a uh, influence in me applying to the conference. So I appreciate you doing all the hard work to organize it there to bring me down. Um, and I'm glad we got to talk more. Thank you so much, Ron. Excellent. Again, thanks, Sam, for, for, uh, for being with us today. Thank you all for listening. Next week, we'll be back again with another amazing person that I know that just happens to write code for a living. Until then, be well, everyone.